Hey, it's your host, Charlotte Chipperfield, and welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, the show that inspires you to think holistically about yourself, your business, and your marketing to ignite the impact you desire to have in the world. We'll learn what it takes to be seen and heard in the digital space from leading experts and myself as the founder and CEO of Chipperfield Media. Get ready to own your marketing by exploring the intersection of purpose and proactive marketing to move your business forward. Thank you for hitting play on another episode of the Holistic Marketing Podcast. Today, I have the great pleasure of welcoming Andrea Jones, who is fiercely committed to helping businesses and podcasters build profitable online communities through simple social media solutions. She's the host of the Savvy Social Podcast, creator of the Savvy Social School, a digital platform designed to teach its over 100 members how to implement organic social media strategies and has been named one of Social Report's top marketers to follow. Welcome, Andrea. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. I know that you are kind of the queen of all things social. Um, today, we're going to kind of hone in and talk a little bit about some of your specific uh, teachings and philosophies around implementing a LinkedIn strategy. But before we dive into all of that, the juicy details there, I'd love for you to tell everyone a little about who you are and what your mission is. Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Andrea, as you mentioned. Um, and I love talking about social media in a way that makes sense for business owners and entrepreneurs who aren't mega millionaires so and who, who don't have all of the time and want to spend all of their hours on social. So really, my focus is to simplify it, but also to help people find a way to use social media as a tool to grow their business because social media is such an amazing opportunity to build connection on an individual level. It's an amazing opportunity to build a community around what you do and around your mission. Uh, and one of the things I like to tell my clients is that I like to help people help people. So if you have a mission to reach more people and impact more people, my mission is to help you do that through social media. Wonderful. I love that. We're so aligned there. I, I truly believe that social media is such an amazing opportunity to build relationships and like you said, to also build community like around your business. And I, I think it's such a powerful tool, especially when you're able to implement it alongside some of your business goals. But then at the same time, like you said, really nurturing those relationships. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to talk about LinkedIn as a specific platform today and really kind of taking that lens of an entrepreneur, solopreneur. And I find that oftentimes there's still this kind of thought process around LinkedIn as being a job hunting site. And so I'm curious if you kind of, how would you recommend leveraging this platform as an entrepreneur? Yes. You know, LinkedIn got its start as almost like a digital resume of sorts. So um, you're not wrong in thinking that it, you know, people view it as this job hunting site because that's really where it started. Um, And that's how a lot of folks use it today still is that they maybe update their LinkedIn profile when they're on the hunt for a traditional job. However, as entrepreneurs and business owners, I think there's a lot of opportunity to use this platform beyond that. And kind of like the idea of LinkedIn in in its initial um, creation actually helps us use the platform for other 
reasons. So the individual user puts a lot of information on LinkedIn that they may not put on other platforms. So they'll put their work history, they'll talk about what they do, they'll talk about where they're going and what they're looking for. Um, But in the realm of entrepreneurs and in that space, a lot of us put, you know, kind of who we serve and our clients and the results that we help people get. And so because we put a lot of this information on LinkedIn, it actually can be easier to find the right people on LinkedIn because there's different search parameters. So on LinkedIn, for instance, you can search for someone's job title a lot more easily than you can do that on Instagram or on Facebook. The individual may not put their job title on those platforms. They may actually use those platforms for more personal use than professional. With LinkedIn, you can also look at someone's place of work. So for instance, if you're looking for certain people to connect with um, at a certain, let's say Google as an example. So you're looking for like someone who works at Google. Um, You can find that on LinkedIn. But you can also find um, other keywords just like the other platforms. So you can search for different um, things like you're looking for an SEO expert or something like that. Um, You can search for those kinds of words and find people in those categories. So the power of LinkedIn is actually in the power of search and being able to find the perfect people that you're looking for. Um, And then the secondary kind of power of LinkedIn is that a lot of people still have those notifications turned on directly to their inbox. I don't know if you've experienced this, but someone will request to connect with you on LinkedIn and it like pops up in your inbox. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> and then you, yeah, you didn't even realize it was turned on and you go, oh, and then you go click over and you look at it. So because it's not as um, used as a platform, I find that people actually tend to be a little bit more tuned in when things happen, when LinkedIn starts sending those recommendations or those emails. So I think if you're going to have a proactive approach to it, you can actually possibly stand out a bit more because there's not as many people on the platform. Right. Absolutely. And yes, I have my notifications on too, especially if I get messages. I love, it's almost like a second inbox, like not my email, but it's another way that I am connecting with people that I'm already connected with, but people outside that I'm starting to build relationships with. And it does feel just like another, another, you know, way of connecting that's different than email, but it's, um, it's interesting that you bring up that point about notifications because mine are definitely on (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I have them all off on all the other platforms because it can be so there's so much going on and there's so much, especially on Facebook, when you get messages, like every time someone comments on a post that you already commented on, it's like, I don't need to know all of that. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you brought up the the idea of search. And so I think that is one of the, the biggest powers of LinkedIn. And I've noticed that there's this big trend in kind of not maybe a trend, but a tactic in really saying in your job title line, like your headline that you, like who you serve and what the results you get, like you mentioned. And I'm curious, how does that affect the search results? If you're an entrepreneur that, you know, wants to work with, let's say managers at Google, how, how would they be searching? And does that match when you are speaking in that way in your headline? Yeah, so it it is important to kind of have that headline make sense for the end user. Um, instead of what we think 
our role is. So oftentimes, I'll give an example with my business. Oftentimes people approach me because they think they need content on Instagram. So I may want to market myself as I help you get content on Instagram. But at the end of the day, I help them reach more people. I help them have more impact. But they may not be searching for like someone to help them have more impact. (laughs) So when you're looking at your LinkedIn headline, you want to think about the end user. So let's say you're a coach for executives and you want to specifically find people in higher level positions at like Fortune 100 companies, okay? So if that's the case, let's say you're a life coach and you want to put that on there, you can put your job title as life coach, but you may want to get specific with the result that they're looking for. So maybe they want you help people get promotions or you help people um, climb the, the, the corporate ladder or, you know, use the words that they would use to help them connect with you. And then in your the rest of your marketing, let's say the summary or the about section, you're talking more about that transformation. But in that headline, it is the first thing people see. Um, and so you want to make it crystal clear on what you do and the result that you provide in their words, not yours. Oh, I think that's such great advice. And it can be so hard because we want to be like, this is how I do it. This is what I do. But it's it's ultimately putting yourself in the shoes of the person that might potentially work with you to make sure you're communicating on their language and not just in marketing jargon or corporate jargon, but really kind of meeting them where they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So we kind of touched a little bit on the profile. So I'd love to talk more about how do we optimize all of our profile and even leverage some of the about section or how you're listing your services or um, how you can help people. Yes. So when we're thinking about our profile, I really do want you to put yourself in the shoes of your ideal customer or client. What do they need to see to help them take the next step with you? So in the Savvy Social School, we call this the next step and the last step. So the last step, we understand. We want them to give us money for the things that we do. (laughs) That's the last step. But oftentimes there's this next step that is really the focus when we're talking about social media strategies because social media in and of itself can feel a little interruptive. It can feel a little like, hi, I wasn't thinking about this before, but I stumbled across this thing, so maybe I want to consider it. So you're in that phase of the, the customer journey when you're thinking about what to put on your LinkedIn profile. So you have your basics, like your profile picture. There's also a cover photo that you can utilize that area to really talk about your, um, like the transformation you provide or your next step. Um, You mentioned the headline, which is the very first thing that you see. And if you're struggling to find it, LinkedIn will automatically put your job title as your headline. So when you're looking at your page, if you see your job title, that's what I'm talking about. LinkedIn often puts your your job title as the headline, but you can click edit and edit that section. And then you want to really focus on the summary section. So the headline is what kind of captures the attention, but the summary or the about section is what reels people in. And I always get them mixed up because LinkedIn keeps changing what it's called. Either you'll see summary or about section. It's kind of like that section where you can traditionally, it's like you write out your cover letter or your resume introduction. But as an entrepreneur, this is prime real estate to talk more about your 
differentiator. So you want to talk about who you are, what you offer, and who it's for. Okay, so what what do you sell? Who is it for? And why does it matter? And really focusing on the transformation. So when you think about transformation, you want to identify where they are today and where they want to be in the future, like after they work with you. And we're focusing on the feeling here as well, the feeling of that transformation. So if I were to apply this to my own business, I I used to do this with my um, my membership program, I would talk all about what's in it. There's a LinkedIn course and an Instagram course and done for you templates and blah, blah, blah. And uh, what I found works best is that if I start listing out all of those things, people go, this sounds like a lot of work. I don't know if I want to sign up for this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm basically giving them a task (laughs) list of things to do. But once I focus on the feeling, like I'm going to help you get more confident and have more success on social media just have to follow my plan. I'll lay it all out for you, but I'm going to help you feel confident. And that feeling of confidence, that feeling of, oh, I know exactly what I should be posting and when I should post it. I know what I'm supposed to be doing every day. I know how to check to see if it's working. That feeling is really what people want. They may think they want an Instagram course, but the idea of an Instagram course or the idea of a LinkedIn course just sounds like a lot of work. Even as I'm saying it, I'm like, who would want to sit down for like three hours and watch all of these videos? Uh, not a lot of people. But if you tell them what the transformation will be after, like you'll feel confident how to use Instagram stories or now LinkedIn has stories even too. So I think some of those like transformation pieces are ideal for the summary. And then the last thing you want to consider in the summary is adding in that next step. So if someone's read that far, they've they've seen your profile picture, they've read your headline, they're reading in your summary, they're probably pretty interested in what you have to offer. So you really want to make it as easy as possible for them to take another step with you. So this may not be, you know, buying your services or buying a product, but what's one step they can take closer to that? Oftentimes, if you're a service-based business owner, that's something like a consultation call or even just asking them to email you or send you a direct message. If you have a digital product, sometimes that's signing up for a lead magnet. Um, If you have a physical product, sometimes that's as simple as just look, visit the store and check it out. And then you can, you know, retarget them with ads or something like that. So really having that next step in the summary section is key for optimizing your profile. Those were really wonderful tips for optimizing your profile. And I love that you talk about focusing on that transformation because that's what I talk to clients a lot about as well is we can list the features and benefits all day long, but if we're not focused on how someone's going to feel or what they're you know, how you're going to move them through that challenge they're facing right now, then people might go elsewhere and consider someone else because it might sound like a lot of work or they're not really sure if it's going to get them where they want to go. So I think that's wonderful to kind of really focus on that transformation piece in that section. And then also having that call to action and telling people what to do next, because sometimes people are reading and they're interested, but they don't know where to go next or how to approach connecting with you or maybe just dipping their toe in with a freebie or the lead magnet. So I think that's really great advice to make sure that you're kind of directing people and inviting them to take that next step. So when it comes to using LinkedIn as part of maybe a larger marketing strategy, or maybe you're using multiple social platforms, 
you know, what fears do you often hear people talking about? You know, is it a fear of putting themselves out there? Is it a fear of not knowing what to post, as you touched on earlier? And how do you kind of encourage people to overcome these fears? Yes. So I I see like two different camps of folks when it comes to the fears that crop up with social media. The first one is just like you said, they don't, they're afraid to say something. They're afraid to put something out there because it feels very vulnerable. Um, Also, you, you kind of log in and instantly see all of these people who seem like they have it figured out and you don't really have it figured out. So the idea of putting something out there, you're like, I don't know if this is the right thing. Um, And that's very common. It's a very common feeling. And it's actually a feeling that just comes along with being a business owner and being in the beginning stages of building a business or the beginning stages of trying any new strategy. Kind of feels a little uncomfortable. But part of the magic in doing this is that it takes practice to get more comfortable in it. And you kind of realize that nobody has it figured out. So you can kind of all be in this together. Um, And kind of, it's almost a little bit of a mindset shift. If you approach LinkedIn as an opportunity instead of like a billboard, I think it's a much better mindset, like a frame of mind. So an example would be, let's say you're a yoga instructor and you're you're developing a new maybe class and you want to share it, but you're not sure if people will think you're spamming or promoting too much, so you don't share it. And somebody out there was waiting for this class, but you never shared it, so they never saw it. So it's really thinking about that individual, that one person who really needs what you have to share, and they're waiting for you to share it. And social media is just a tool to get you there, to share that thing. So share it knowing that there's somebody waiting for you to share it. Now, the other side of this is those folks who um, treat social media like a bit of a billboard. They have no problem with sharing, but they're just wondering if all of these promotions, if anyone is actually doing anything with this, or if folks are going to take action from all of these things that they're going to be sharing. Um, And so with those folks, I would challenge you to think about social media as a conversation, a two-way conversation. It's not a billboard or a radio ad where someone just happens to hear it or listen to it and you have no idea who's seeing it at all. Um, The great thing about social media is you actually have a very good idea of who's seeing it and who's interacting with it. So use that to your advantage. Instead of being a billboard and talking about your promotions 24-7, Think about how you can invite someone into the conversation, and that can bring up a lot of fears for people. What if I ask a question on LinkedIn and nobody responds? Or what if I um, share a really interesting thought and I don't even get a like on LinkedIn? Nobody likes it or reacts to it at all. And I think that fear is also very natural as well, and it's part of the process. So to both groups of people, whether you're afraid to kind of put yourself out there and promote or you're afraid to um, that you're promoting too much and you're afraid to bring people into the conversation, I want you to think about this 
like LinkedIn or whatever platform you're thinking about as the opportunity for beginning those conversations and commit to consistency of bringing new people into the fold. So with both groups, you're focused on the people who currently follow you, the people who currently are connected to you. But instead, I want you to think about the future, the people who will be connected to you in the future. And that can help you kind of think differently about the content that you're posting because you're posting it for them and not maybe like your friends and family or the handful of clients that currently follow you. It's those new people. They've never heard of you before. They've never heard of what you offer before. And so they're waiting for you. Yes, I think you've touched on so many important points from the mindset piece of it, which I think you do a really great job of encouraging people to kind of step outside of themselves and really focus on who they're serving and not necessarily like, this is my billboard. This is what I have to say. And it is it is really focusing on that opportunity for it to be a two-way street and having that dialogue, I think is so important. And And I know you brought up sort of this tool to share and this fear of what if I put it out there and no one engages, which is a very common fear we've all experienced at some point in time. And I'm curious how much of that is fear, but then how much does the algorithm sometimes impact and how strategic do you need to be specifically around LinkedIn around when you're posting, if it's time of day? Um, Any thoughts on that? Yes. So with LinkedIn specifically, there really you really don't need as much content. So what by content, I mean the actual posts, like the caption and the graphics and what you're sharing. You maybe can do it once a week, twice a week if you're starting out. And that's enough for a lot of us. Um, LinkedIn doesn't really reward for consistent content. And you may notice if you post something on Monday, you may still see see someone liking it or commenting it on Friday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't need as much content as the other platforms. So that does mean it lives a bit longer. So you don't have to get as specific about time of day as some of the other platforms. However, if you think about your ideal person and how they spend their day, imagine when they would be on LinkedIn. And that typically is a great place to start. So if you are a coach for executives, you may want to post at 6 a.m. so that right when they wake up and they're scrolling through their phone, they see your post. Um, If you are working with like um, high school teachers, then perhaps you want to post like on their lunch break or four or five after they're done with school for the day. Um, So really thinking about that user and how they would use the platform and, and you can time it to when they'd be online. Also, LinkedIn in general tends to be more of a professional platform. So weekends, Saturday, Sunday tend to be less busy. Same thing with holidays. Um, As far as the algorithm goes itself, it's just like any of the other platforms. LinkedIn wants your attention. It wants the attention of its users. So if you're posting content that people are looking at, but they're not taking action on, LinkedIn is probably not going to keep showing that to more people. So you do want to have those content pieces that are designed for people to take action on them questions, um, even if they like, they share, they comment. Some of the newer functions like live video, if you get people watching, 
Um, even if you post a regular um, video, like pre-recorded video, um, if people watch, you know, more than three seconds of that video, really it's the attention piece that's key. So you do kind of have to keep that in mind as you're creating content. The great thing about LinkedIn and any platform really is that we all like to celebrate. So a great kind of boost of um, engagement is to encourage people to celebrate with you. Birthdays, you may notice on LinkedIn, a lot of people will send happy birthday messages. That gives you a little boost of engagement. Um, but also within your business. So did you accomplish something big in your business? Did you Were you placed in some sort of media outlet? Um, did you Do you have a business anniversary celebration, like you've been in business for five years or one year? Share that on social media. Share that on LinkedIn. That tends to be a really great way to kind of jumpstart your algorithm. And so when folks uh, engage with that celebratory post, the next post that you share, they're also going to see that one. So you can use that as a way to get in front of more people. Now, if you start to see a trend in that you don't get a lot of engagement on your posts, you may want to think about two different things. So the first thing is the nature of your post. I have a few clients, like one of my clients in the past, for instance, was a coach for people who were in the process of divorce. So it's not a topic they're going to like and comment on social media. They're not going to be like, yeah, I'm in the middle of getting a divorce. <laughs> like nobody would comment that. Right. Um, so <laughs> for her, we're looking at different things. Are people clicking over to the websites? Are we, are we seeing people sign up for the lead magnets? Because they may not say it as a comment, but they may take another action that shows us that they're interested. So that one is challenging and the algorithm is just not going to like that. Um, so you kind of have to know that going into those industries. Um, the other thing to consider with this as well is, you know, engagement isn't everything. Um, so really making sure that even though we're trying to feed the algorithm and get this attention, at the end of the day, we still need to make sure that it aligns with our business. Um, and so really, you know, the algorithm is there to keep people on the platform. So if you're constantly asking people to go somewhere else, you, it may not like what you're doing. Um, so just kind of balancing, it's like a balancing act of keeping all of those things happy, your algorithm happy and your business happy. Yes, that is amazing advice. And yes, I've experienced that a lot on LinkedIn too, is if you post something earlier in the week, like that content lives a lot longer, which is one of my favorite things about LinkedIn is that it kind of keeps people engaged for a longer period of time. And there isn't that kind of pressure that you need to be posting every day. It's like you said, you can post once, twice a week, and, and that's sufficient. And yes, I love everything that you just talked about too, is getting really clear on on how you're using the platform and specifically how you're going to track that. So if engagement is what you're looking for, if you're looking for those clicks to the website, but ultimately it's about having a little bit of that balance. So I know you talked about kind of content being one piece. So what you're posting on LinkedIn is one piece of the strategy. And the other side of that is really building these connections. So obviously sending connection requests is something that happens all the time on this platform. And so I'm curious if you have any specific do's and don'ts for how you might be reaching out to people and maybe including a message, not including a message. What kind of advice do you have there? Yes. Okay. I will say this from my personal experience. You guys probably have 
experienced this before, but sometimes I get the randomest connection requests. Yes. I got one recently. Every day. <laughs> yeah, every day. It's like, how did you find me? What? Who's saying this works? Um, but I got one from, I want to say this guy in Wisconsin, maybe somewhere in the Midwest. I'm not even in the US, by the way. I live in Canada. Um, and he was trying to sell me solar panels. And I was like, what? (laughs) That's a confusing Um, one. (laughs) So don't do that. Um, But I think the challenge is, honestly, a lot of us, we just get really excited about our business. We're so passionate about what we do. We want to stand up on the rooftop and shout it out to everyone. And I don't necessarily think that's a wrong sort of energy to have. I just think that the first time you connect with someone is not the place for that sort of conversation. And I want you to think of it a lot like dating. So if you are, if you've decided I'm going to settle down, I want to find my lifelong partner, you could, you know, just go into Starbucks and hope that the next person you talk to is it. And then you talk to them and say, yep, this is it. We should get married. Like that would feel very fast and aggressive for a lot of people. I don't don't know. Maybe some people would like it, but. (laughs) The bargain um, for the price of a latte. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. So most of us would be like, "Mm, let's try dating first. Um, So I want you to think about that with LinkedIn. So this is like the dating version of, of getting to know someone. You don't start right off with like, let's get married. You kind of start off with like, hey, let's get to know each other. And I think that mindset is important to take when you're adding connection requests on LinkedIn. I do recommend finding a commonality. So find a reason to connect with someone. This isn't just like spray and pray, hope everyone you connect with becomes the best client ever. Typically doesn't happen that way. It's building connections one person at a time. It's like networking. Um, So some do's and don'ts would be um, if you are looking at someone's profile, definitely take a a second to look at it and and to ask yourself, why do you want to connect with this person? If you can answer that question, go ahead and send a connection request. And I do recommend sending a message along with it because I guarantee you they've also received the solar panel guy and they don't know if you're that guy or not. (laughs) So send a message if you can and find a connection point. So For instance, for me, I am from Georgia originally. I went to um, Georgia State University. So oftentimes when I'm connecting with someone, I may just look for people who also went to Georgia State University. That's a great connection point for me. Um, For one of my clients, one that works really well for her are people who are in the same sorority as her. For another one of my clients, it's just people who are in the local area, especially during a pandemic. A lot of the kind of business networking events that he typically would attend aren't available. And so he's just looking for more people in his area to connect with. And so when he's sending his message, it's like, hey, I'm also a business in this city. I wanted to connect with you. And so just giving that reason is a really good um, way to kind of set the tone and then keep up with them. This isn't about just mass messaging everyone. It's again, the relationship side. So it's not just getting the phone number. It's like actually scrolling through your feed and engaging and connecting and commenting and just participating in the platform. Yes. I think that's all such wonderful advice and no one wants to be the solar panel guy for sure. And I love the analogy of like thinking about it, like dating, it really is. You don't want to just get married the second you meet someone, but you do want to date and kind of get to know each other. 
And so that kind of like builds on my next question is kind of how do you, aside from maybe just engaging with a new connections, posts and content, but how do you, like, do you have recommendations for following up with them? Like, do you want to send them, you know, an invitation to maybe take that next step that's listed in your profile if they haven't done that already, like after a certain period of time? Is there any strategies you have or thoughts around kind of how do you continue to nurture that relationship more one-on-one after you've made the connection? Yes. So I will admit that a lot of this, these next steps are more intuitive. So it's harder to write a roadmap for this. Um, Some of my students like to have a Google spreadsheet and actually keep track of individuals and when they have contacted them. Um, I prefer it to be more organic. So I literally literally will scroll through my, my feed and look for a reason to reconnect with someone. Maybe it's one of their posts where they talk about their business. Maybe it's um, their profile. I saw something that stuck out to me. So I really will use more of an intuitive approach to maintaining that relationship with them. Um, But you can do what feels right for you and how you can keep up with it. One of the things that has worked really well for me, and again, I have a service-based business, so it may not work for those of you who don't have a service-based business, but just asking for a coffee chat pretty soon after I've connected with someone. And I'm typically combining this with other strategies. So for example, um, I may have spoken in a summit with someone, but I didn't actually get a chance to talk with them. So I'll send them a LinkedIn connection request and say, hey, we both spoke in the same summit, didn't get a chance to chat, but I'd love to connect with you here on LinkedIn. And so we connect on LinkedIn and then I may say, hey, you know, thanks again for accepting my uh, connection request. I'd love to get on a coffee chat with you to see what you're up to, see how we can work together. And then it goes from there. So a lot of this does happen a bit more organically. It's not like LinkedIn's in a bubble. You really have to search for those entry points, those connection points. Um, So finding those commonalities are really important and having a reason to reach out is even more important. So for example, if you find the perfect person on LinkedIn and they would absolutely enjoy your services, but they don't know you exist, they don't know who you are, they're not thinking of you, they may need to see a few of your posts first before you reach out to them. So you may want to give them time to like engage with your content a little bit and let them know that, you know, what you offer is available. And you can reach out to them as well. So uh, the last example I'll talk about with this, with keeping up with connections, is um, a few years back, I really wanted to work with podcasters. I love working with podcasters. And I knew that podcast editors were the best people because we share the same clients. They edit the show and I help promote the show. So I reached out to probably like a hundred podcaster editors. I maybe got calls with 10, it was less than 10 of them. Only one of them actually turned into something. Um, And that person ended up editing my show. And now we share clients back and forth. It's been an amazing relationship. But that took a lot of legwork in researching who these people were, engaging with their content. I went in with a very specific goal and a very specific outcome that I wanted. And I think I got lucky because that happened with only contacting about 100 people. I think for most of us, it may be more than that, especially if we're new. 
Um, and so I think some of it is just um, more of a continued practice than um, having a checklist of things to do. It's it's a bit more intuitive. It's a bit more of a daily habit of logging into LinkedIn, looking around, see what you can see, engaging and participating, and just being open for opportunities that may come your way. Yes. Wonderful. I mean, I love that example of the podcasters too, because I think sometimes we feel like, oh, we connected with five people and you know, I want to, you know, I feel like that should be enough to get towards my goals, but sometimes it's not a spray and pray or like a um, strategy, like you mentioned, but it really is about being intentional, but also knowing that, you know, different people are going to be looking for different things. And again, it's that relationship thing. So if you're going back to like the dating analogy, like not every podcast editor is looking for that kind of partnership. So it's, again, you are going to have to talk to a lot of people to get to the ones who are open to that opportunity and can see the potential in that collaboration. So it is kind of that idea of like staying persistent and consistent, but also open and being intuitive about making those decisions when and where. So I kind of want to talk about a little bit of measuring some of the success. So I know on like our personal profiles, it can be hard. There aren't like the standard insights dashboard like there is on our Facebook pages. So how do you go about recommending certain metrics to measure each each month and what do those tend to look like? Yes. So there are two big ones if you want to kind of stay on the free level of LinkedIn, which I recommend for 99% of people. Um, the first one is profile views. So LinkedIn will show you the amount of people who have viewed your profile in the past 60 days. That's a really good metric to measure because you want to see that increasing over time. So if you are out there and networking, then it's going to have a snowball effect and you're going to see more and more people looking at your profile every single week. So you want to make sure that that's growing. If it's not growing, you you then need to start doing a check to see why. Maybe you're not reaching the right people. Maybe your headline isn't enough to get people to click over to your profile. Um, maybe the content that you're posting doesn't incite enough curiosity for people to click over your profile. Um, maybe you're not consistent enough in reaching out to new people. So that number is stagnant and it's not growing. So profile views are a really great metric to track on LinkedIn as far as success goes. Um, the other metric to track is engagement. That's likes and comments um, and shares as well, but mostly likes and comments. So I know that it can be a challenge, especially if we don't really have content that's engaging, like I mentioned, my divorce coach client. Um, but typically, you do want to have something like that, even if it's a post that says, um, you know, have a great holiday, um, something that you can kind of get a sense of who's seeing your posts in the feed. Because if you're not seeing likes and comments come through, enough people may not be seeing your posts in the feed. Um, and so those are the two metrics that I, I recommend kind of using as a litmus test of sorts to see if these strategies are working. And then the third one, which is a little bit harder to measure, but I think is one of the more important ones, are people taking action on the next step. So are people visiting your website are they booking consult calls with you? Are they downloading your lead magnet? Whatever that next step is, that's a really good indicator if there is follow through on what you're asking people to do on LinkedIn itself. Those are all really great metrics. And I think they're all like manageable in a sense because 
you can see exactly what's happening and, and who's engaging. And I feel like all of those numbers are easy to access where something like the Facebook, like even the ads manager, like there's so much data in there that it can sometimes get distracting or you're not sure what holds value, what you should pay attention to. So I almost feel like it's an advantage on LinkedIn because you can see exactly who's liking and who's engaging. And then that can help tell your next steps um, as far as content or connecting with them. So that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I know you brought this up a little bit about the the paid levels of LinkedIn. And so I'm, I would love to kind of talk a little bit about when is the right time to upgrade and if it be upgrade your profile or maybe even upgrading into the, the sales navigator. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I find that if you are in a sales role, um, having sales navigator can be very helpful. Um, so if that's part of your job, like doing a heavy outreach strategy or anything like that. For most of us, though, we don't need that high level of LinkedIn and we end up upgrading and then we don't really use it. That's what I found. Mm-hmm. I've done um, that. <laughs> and so, yeah, <laughs> we've all done it. Um, so I find that the free version of LinkedIn for a lot of us is exactly what we need. There are limitations, though. So There are only a certain number of connection requests you can make within a day. And there are only, um, you can only kind of message people who are within your bubble. So if you're not connected with someone, you can't send them a message unless you upgrade. So things like that. So if there's a particular person you want to reach out to, you've sent them a connection request, they have not accepted, then maybe you do want to upgrade to send them a message. Um, however, I do think there are other means. Like if you know who they are, you could probably look them up on the websites and them a contact form. Like there's so many other things you can do outside of LinkedIn to where I don't necessarily see that as, um, needed. Um, and even with the caps that they have, they're constantly changing it. But I believe the number right now is something like 20 connection requests a day. I'm typically recommending you go for like two or three a day because uh, you really want to make sure that they're quality and, and you're not just going for the mass number of people, but you're actually taking 10 minutes to find two people, three people who you actually want to like keep up with their posts and and stay connected with them. Um, so most of my my students don't get near that caption um, or, or, or that near that, um, yeah, that, that caption that LinkedIn sets. So Um, make sure that you're just being intentional with the platform and you're not kind of going for that mass spray and pray strategy and you'll be fine with the free version. Yes, I think that's so true. I think it's so easy to sit there and be like, connect, connect, connect. And um, 20 can add up fast. But like you said, you really want that quality. And if you are looking to really build relationships with people, I mean, it's like our own network, right? If you're meeting all these people in person, you're probably only going to remember one or two people from every networking event you go to. You're not going to remember all 50 people that were at the event. And you probably didn't connect with all those 50 people when we are in person. You probably found a few key people and had really wonderful relationships with them or conversations with them. And so I think the same applies for LinkedIn. Just because we can see more faces and pictures doesn't necessarily mean that we need to be connecting with every single person on the platform. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So before I ask my last question, I'd love for you to tell everyone where they can connect with you further. Yes. Yeah, so uh, on LinkedIn, you can search for me. It's Andrea Jones. If you type Andrea Jones social media, that will bring me up. 
Um, but also I'm at online Drea anywhere else online. That's online D-R-E-A. Um, Instagram, I've been really loving that lately. Or you can go to my website, onlinedrea.com. And if you're listening listening to this, you probably like podcasts. So check out my podcast, Savvy Social Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes, amazing. I will link to all of that in the show notes. And just to plug your Instagram, I follow you mainly on that platform because that's where I spend most of my time, but really love your content and the tips and advice. So definitely follow Andrea on Instagram and connect with her further. And my last question is, how does being intentional show up in your life or business? Yeah, so I used to think that I was a free spirit, and I'm not. (laughs) I need a lot of structure in order to be productive. So for me, being intentional shows up within that structure, and then I can get really creative within the kind of boxes that I build for myself. Um, So a few ways that I do this is I manage my calendar through Google Calendar and I even block off like lunchtime in there um, so that I'm actually stopping to eat and I'm not working all day. Um, But it also shows up in smaller ways too. Like I love to take five minutes and to just meditate every day. I find that tech-free time is really important for my mental health. Um, And even taking days off on the weekends where I'm not looking at my phone, I'm not checking in, um, I don't have notifications turned on anyways. um, So it's not like I can accidentally see something. So it's just really being intentional about uh, because I spend so much time online and turned on and tuned in, just making sure I have time offline that's not digital, non-tech, and that I can enjoy the rest of my life as well. Yes, I find all of that so relatable. And I actually just, um, <laughs> I think I thought I was a free spirit as well. And then I just started doing this like time management where I'm literally scheduling everything, including my lunch hour. And it's mm-hmm. been like a game changer. And it's like, wow, I actually do have time to stop in the middle of the day and enjoy my food. And then it do- allows me to, like you said, step away from the technology for a moment and just kind of recenter before I dive back into it all again. So I really love that answer and find it very relatable. (laughs) Yes. And I think a lot of us do, especially if we're creative people. It's just our tendency that we think that we can just wake up and do whatever we want to do that day. But what happens is nothing gets done. (laughs) (laughs) um, I I learned that lesson the hard way, but I, I can't look back now. I know. I'm feeling the same way. It's it's pretty powerful. Yes. I didn't think I had time to schedule everything, but amazingly, <laughs> once you schedule everything, you actually have time to get more things done because there's less yep. multitasking and kind of getting burnt out, moving from task to task to task. Um, but yes, Andrea, this was such a wonderful conversation. I think there are so many tips in here for people to take away. So thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode is available. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review the podcast so that other conscious business leaders like yourself can join our community of listeners. If you'd like to connect with me further, you'll find me hanging out on Instagram at Charlotte Chipperfield. Come join me there or check out chipperfieldmedia.com for free resources, subscribe to my monthly newsletter, and learn more about the holistic marketing system.